How many of you enjoy a good story? Right? It doesn't matter whether it's uh, told in person, shared in person, whether it's something you read, whether it's something you watch on a screen. A good story helps us. It inspires us. It challenges us. And it sticks with you. And so this morning, I want us to turn our attention to a small book in the Old Testament. So I encourage you, if you would, take your copy of God's Word, turn over to the Old Testament. We're going to turn to the eighth book in the Bible. It's the third book of history. It's the book of Ruth. So Ruth is found between Judges and 1 Samuel. And so as you turn there, let's just kind of give you a glimpse of what's going on in the book of Ruth. First off, the events here in the book of Ruth occur over about a 10-year period. We'll see that our main characters are Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. What's interesting is this is Ruth's story, but we really hear very little from her. As we study the book of Ruth, it's mighty, but it packs a punch. And, and several themes that you'll see as we go through this series is that there is acceptance. There's kindness and faithfulness. There's redemption. There's protection. And there is blessing. You see, without this little book, we would have no connection between the house of David in the tribe of Judah. It's kind of that linchpin, if you will, between those two, connecting David with Christ in the tribe of Judah. Interesting as I was kind of researching and kind of diving into Ruth, and what is, why is Ruth significant? Why should we study Ruth? Listen to this. Few stories in the Bible are told from a woman's viewpoint. But in the story of Ruth, not only is a woman the protagonist, but the world of the story is a woman's world. And the penman gives attention to feminine values and feelings. It is a classic love story in God's Word. Now, before we dive into... Ruth, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 today. And I want you to think of this. As we think about stories, many of you over the years have interacted and read stories or read articles in, in, in what? In the newspaper. Like in the, in the next service, I have to explain what a newspaper is, right? Because none of them get those, Right? But as I told you recently, too, really quickly, that as we think about newspapers and we think about the world that we live in today, like when you read newspapers, when you read from a magazine, when, when you used to watch Madlock and, and uh, The Price is Right, there were stopping cues. Right nowadays, like we watch this series called Virgin River on Netflix. And so what do you do? You sit down and you can just binge watch it. You can watch the whole series at one time. But as we see here in verses 1 through 5, the reason I'm telling you that story is because I, I was a newspaper man. I was a photographer for the item for seven and a half years. 
So I didn't necessarily write, but I hung out with some people that thought differently than me, that were way smarter than me. And so one of the things that they taught me, and I just want to just kind of lean into you this morning, as you read an article, as you read a story, most of the time in a newspaper or a magazine, you have what's known as the lead, L-E-D-E. It's the, it's the lead. And what is the lead? The lead is basically, it's the, it's the meat of what's happening. It, you're setting the tenor and the tone. You're putting the most important information up front. And so as we study verses 1 through 5 this morning, I want you to see this is kind of like the lead of that story in that newspaper. These five verses kind of set the tone. And, and as we dive into that this morning, it will begin to kind of build the foundation as we study on the, the study of the book of Ruth. So look with me into your copy of God's word. You'll find these similar words. Falls under the heading of Naomi widowed. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The names of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her sons and her husband. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your open word. I pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to connect your word to our life. Lord, even though this was written Ages ago, Lord, it is still true. And there are truths that you need us to see. Speak truth into our hearts and lives. Help us to connect our faith and live it out each day. Lord, we thank you and love you. Amen. So as we see here, as we begin to look, it says, in the days when the judges ruled. Look with me if, you, if you've got your copy of God's Word open or you're in your, um, you're in your Bible app. Look back at the last verse in Judges chapter 21, Judges 21, 25, what does it say? In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the tenor and the tone of where this story is written. That everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. What they thought should be done. It was a time of disobedience. It was a time, the days when the judges ruled was a time of idolatry and a time of violence. It was a dark time and people liked to please themselves, not God. Hello? Like, is that the kind of sound like the world we live in today? It does. There was disobedience, idolatry, violence. It was a dark and trying time where people lived to please themselves, not God. God. Then we're told there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. That's modern day Jordan. And he and his two wives and his two sons. So as I began to read this, one of the things that I want to remind you of this morning is this, that names are important. 
They have meaning and they have significance. And so as we step through this passage of Scripture, I just want to touch on these names. Like, your name matters. Your name is important. You were named specifically. Like me, I had to call my mom last night. I said, okay, mom. I said, what's the significance of my name? My, my full name is Christopher Michael Moore. And my mom has told me over and over again, if I ever would have known that they were going to call you Chris, I never would have named you Christopher. And, but I said, okay, mom, why did you name me Christopher? I knew why I was named Michael. Michael was my father's name, Michael Edward. And so I carried Part of his name is my middle name. My son carries my middle name. You see, we, we take those family names and we pass them down to other generations. My son is Caleb Michael. The other one is William Chandler. William is my, um, my brother-in-law's name. Also, I think my father-in-law, George William Mullen, right? So you carry those names in. Even this morning, as I was talking, Miss Lucille, she and I were talking about the Sunday, the social, and even in just that brief conversation, she had no clue that I was going to be talking about the importance of names. And she said, well, my real name is Martha, Lucille, like Martha from the Bible. I was named after Martha from the Bible, right? Do you know the story of your name? So I had to go and I had to ask my mom. And my mom said, well, she said, oh, I'm going to have to think a little bit. I'm like, thanks, mom. That's great. <clears throat> there was real significance to that. No, she said, well, my sister loved Winnie the Pooh. She had a big, huge uh, stuffed Winnie the Pooh. And she said, I guess, you know, Christopher Robin. And then I guess they just landed on Christopher Michael somehow or whatever to carry on my dad's name. But that's part of my name. And, and I asked Kendall yesterday when we were riding to go to eat, I said, okay, look up what Christopher means. And it means a Christ bearer. To this morning, even as we've read just into these two verses, you see Bethlehem, we see this juxtaposition between there was a famine, but yet they were in the land of Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. How is there a famine in a town known as the house of bread? It was because people were doing what was right in their own eyes. Moab, the city of Jordan. Then we see here Elimelech. Elimelech, his name means my God is king. And the only reason that Elimelech is remembered is because of his daughter-in-law, Ruth, who was faithful to Naomi. You see, as we study God's words, as we study God's word, these names have significant meanings. I love reading through the books uh, where you read through some of the books and that gets kind of tough and I'm like, I can't pronounce half of these. Lord, just bear with me. I'm just trying to be faithful. I might tune into my Bible app and let it read to me. But I love somewhere in there, they'll hide this nugget of wisdom about one particular person. Right? I'm like, wow, why did that one person get some little nugget of wisdom connected? But as you see, as you, and I hope you'll see this morning, God is always connecting those dots. There's a purpose. There's a reason. The genealogies, how it flows, it all matters. So Elimelech, his name means my God is king. Naomi, her name means pleasant or pleasantness. Now, what was fascinating was, and I guess that's why you've never really met a Malon or a Kilion, is because their names were like, not, I would, I, Here's what they mean. Malon is sickly. And Kilion was wasting away or puny. 
Right? I mean, I mean, next time y'all have a grandbaby, I guess y'all go to him and say, hey, let's name him Killian, right? I mean, who wants their grandson to be known as the puny one? Orpah, which was one of uh, Naomi's other daughter-in-laws, her name means stubbornness. Yeah, daughter-in-laws, mother-in-laws can be pretty stubborn too. But anyway, all right, we're supposed to be... <clears throat> Let me get back to the word. Let me get back to the word. All right, Ruth, Ruth says, uh, Ruth's name means friendship and beauty. So we talked about Bethlehem being the house of bread. Judah means praise. So your name matters. There is meaning and significance behind our names. Verse 2, the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab or Jordan and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. So right there we see, and, and scholars believe that after they had moved there, so there was a famine in the land, and so he goes to, to sojourn. He goes to live there in exile or, or to move away from that time. And um, when they, uh, shortly probably after they arrived there, he dies. And so she's left with just her two sons. Then in verse 4 we see these took Moabite wives and so there as we think about the Moabites, I want you to turn back to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse, verses 1 through 4. So I'm sharing this with you because there's often a misconception I want you to see this morning. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, this is a chosen people. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away the many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gershites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mighty than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall not make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not, listen, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. Why? For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. So that's what the word of the Lord says about those seven nations. And so here we see the Moabites. And so it wasn't necessarily that they were forbidden to marry outside, to marry the Moabite wives, but they were discouraged. Okay, so I just paint you that picture because as I studied, there is some confusion. Some people try to paint them all with one bright wide brushstroke, but they were forbidden. They weren't forbidden, but they were kind of discouraged, okay? And so then we see that the name of one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons. You see... As we look into this story this morning, 
And we kind of see the beginning, the, the, the lead of Ruth's story. We can't see the big picture, but God can. You know, as we look here into the Ruth's life, as we look into Naomi, this was 10 years that was probably not a joyous time. You know, within that 10 years, they moved to a foreign land. They move outside of their comfort zone. Her husband dies. They marry. And then her sons die. And so as the end here at verse 5, we see that she's left with just herself, Naomi. And we see Orpah and Ruth. You see, friends, sometimes in life we have to step out into the unknown and to trust God. We see that. In the days when the judges ruled, a man of Bethlehem of Judah went to sojourn. He stepped out. There was a famine in the land and he needed to provide for his family. So he stepped out into the unknown and he trusted God. God will provide. You see, listen to this. We have to move from where we are to where he wants us to be. As we think about this story of Elimelech and and Naomi, we have to step out of where we are to where He wants us to be. Friends, that is a personal reminder and that is a collective reminder. Are you willing to step out into the unknown to take that step of faith and to trust God that He will provide? Elimelech did. Imagine if he hadn't. But church this morning, what about you? Are you willing to move from where you are to where God wants you to be? You see, we don't see it in the moment. But God's plan for our lives is unfolding. Just like with Elimelech, just like with Naomi, just like with Ruth, when the moments become a memory and we're further down the road, when we look back, we see His hand at work. That great hymn, I don't know if you guys have ever sung that, but farther along, I'll know all about it. Right? We're to be faithful. We're to keep pressing on. We're to keep following God day in and day out. We're to follow God on Sunday, but we're also to follow God on Monday. We're to follow Him on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We're to follow Him every day. Not just for an hour. Some of y'all might come to Sunday school. Okay, you don't just follow Him for two hours. But you take what you're learning, you take what you're being told, you take what you're reading, you take the truths of God's Word, and you go out and live it, and you apply it. Just like that story that I told you this morning about that man, that deacon of that church, that, hey, the Bible is good and all, but it doesn't really work in real life. I beg to differ. Because when we're further along, when those moments become a memory and we're further down the road, we look back, we see God's hand at work. We see His goodness. We see His mercy. We see His provision. We see His grace. We see His protection. Listen, you might not see it now and it might take years, but God has 
a plan. Can I just lean in really quick? Will you just lean in as I share this with you? What is standing on the other side of your obedience? What's standing on the other side of your obedience? To what God is calling you to do. Who God is calling you to be. Maybe he's got to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Church, as you pray through for your next pastor, the next man of God who will preach and teach and disciple and encourage and love and to point the way, what's standing on the other side of your obedience? Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Interesting thing is we look here in verse 5. Both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman... See, it's interesting as we read this story that first she's mentioned as Naomi and then when we get to verse 5, she's just mentioned as the woman was left with her two sons and her husband. You see, in those days and times... It was not a good thing to be a widow. I mean, God's word encourages us to do what? That we're to love and to serve the widows and the children. In the day and time of which this story was told, and mind you, they didn't have a copy of God's word. They went and shared what they knew, what they had been told. They shared who they knew personally of trusting God. Paul says in the books of Acts, book of Acts, that he says what? That you, that he's called you so that you may share of what you've seen and heard. Friends, we can't introduce the lost and dying world to someone we don't know. Do you know Jesus this morning? Are you following him? Are you living the life that he would have you to live? You see, the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. There were no heirs. She would have been unable to support herself. At her age, she could not remarry. She was vulnerable. So I'm going to ask you this morning. If we were to write your story, if we were to write the last 10 years in five sentences, what would it say? Would there be good? Would there have been joy? Would there have been tears? Pain. Maybe you're like me. Sometimes life is a roller coaster. See, friends, unlike TV preachers 
I'm here to remind you this morning that following God is like a roller coaster. Have we, can we have mountaintop experiences? Absolutely. There will be joyous and wonderful times. But friends, we weren't made to live on the mountaintop. We have to walk through the valley as well. 23rd Psalm tells us what? That we're not alone. That He is with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So you're not alone. But just like as we introduce this story of Ruth this morning, this study of Ruth, as we think about your story and what those five sentences might say, Can I remind you of something? Just like with Ruth, just like with you, the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. God is not done yet. Precious Saint this morning as I came in, she was encouraging me and we began to talk about how, you know, if we follow God, that, that, that he's, he's working on us. And like she said, and, and I know, and I want to remind you this morning, he'll always be working on us. We just have to be humble enough to admit that we need to be worked on. That there are things in our lives that aren't glorifying to God. Maybe we don't have a greatest love as we should for our neighbor, for our enemies. As we come to the end of verse 5, so I was reading, I, I, I read one commentator who said, we, we have a couple of questions here at the end of verse 5. What future does she have? Can she ever recover? Will her emptiness ever be filled? Friends, can I, can I just remind you of something I wrote as I studied this? God might have you somewhere you don't understand. And you might be asking this morning, God, why am I here? Why am I going through this? It's painful. I'm afraid. I just don't understand. I don't know. Can I tell you this? Be patient. Be still. Be faithful and trust Him. Be faithful. Be still and trust the Lord. Friends, God is active in our lives even when we don't notice or we don't understand. And here as we study the book of Ruth, I hope that you will see that the providence of God 
is seen in unimportant people and their unimportant affairs. As we read and we study the book of Ruth, what seemed like unimportant people and unimportant affairs, God's plan was being unveiled. It was being fulfilled. And the same can happen in your lives. Just trust Him. Obey. What is standing on the other side of your obedience? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning as we study from Ruth. Lord, I thank you that it is a mighty but powerful book here in the Bible. Lord, that even though it was penned many, many years ago, Lord, there are truths that we can apply to our lives now. Father, our names matter. Our names have significance. Lord, you know our names. You called us by name. And so, Father, I pray here this morning, if there's one who you're calling their name, who they've never trusted in you, they've never turned from their wicked ways of doing things in their own sight and turned to an old rugged cross, turned to a Savior who took their sins, paid a price that they cannot pay. Lord, I pray they turn to you. Father, I pray for those who do know you this morning. I pray that they would, that you would just break their hardened hearts. Lord, we pray for that one deacon, Lord, who, who just thinks your Bible's good and all, but it doesn't work in real life. Lord, I pray for this man. I pray that you would meet him like you met Paul on the Damascus road. Lord, that he would experience you and that he would go from persecuting you to glorifying you. Father, I pray this morning that that we'll just faithfully walk with you. Lord, we, we don't understand it all. But Lord, when those moments become a memory and we look back, Lord, we see your hand at work. And so Father, I pray for the one here this morning that's just unsure of where you have them now. Lord, may they be faithful. May they trust you. May they keep walking with you, taking next steps into the life that you would have them to lead, to live. Lord, may they abide in you. And Father, as we sing, when it's farther along, may we understand all about it. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. We pray that you would guide us, protect us, and to help us to connect our faith as we walk with you. And we walk with others, sharing what we've seen and heard. Father, have your way in our hearts. Help us to see you more clearly and help us to obey. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.